guys welcome to another transfer listed your favorite stop for arsenal news and in-depth analysis on players being linked with the move to arsenal today we're going to be doing an in-depth analysis on how camavinga would fit into this arsenal side we'll talk about the player profile statistics how he compares to arsenal fa fan favorite eves basuma and a potential formation change you know so we'll talk about all those things and before we get into all the info, please remember to like the video and subscribe to the channel. There's plenty of really good content coming your way. At 10 p.m. UK time, George and Harry will be joining me as we discuss Arsenal's big money summer and the two-pronged approach to squad building that will address Arsenal's present and future at the same time. So in the chat box, let me know how you guys are feeling. What did you think about the Netherlands performance um, today? It was amazing you know I was watching Depay and um Jeannie Wijnaldum play together and I'm just thinking like wow if only you know the wages or the money involved with the Barcelona deal for for Wijnaldum would have been a little bit different and those two would have been playing together you know so let me know what you guys are saying in the chat box and um we'll just do some greetings really quick so there's about 30 of you guys watching right now so get in the chat box and let's just do a quick greeting, you know, how are you guys feeling? Sean says, hey, Jess, hey, Sean. Jonas asked a question, okay. Um, do you think we could start with a three center back formation next season? I think we pretty much play with a three back anyway with Chambers, you know, so there's a, you know, a chance that we could um, if they wanna, if Arteta wants to integrate Saliba without putting too much pressure on him, it might be nice to, to play in a back three, but ultimately I think we play in a back three anyway when we play with Chambers, you know, so maybe, maybe. I wouldn't be, you know, against it at all. Um, Abdullah says, my thoughts on Timber. I think he's a good player. I've never really seen him play before the Euros. I think he's really good. And just like most of the Netherlands players, very technically secure, good with the ball at his feet, you know, so I think he's a good player. Usab says, hello, beautiful Jess. Thank you. And everybody in the chat. Van Auger says, Frankie de Jong honestly has the potential to be the best midfielder and player in the world. One of the most complete players I've ever seen. 
Renee Black says, got a chance to see some of the young Dutch guys. Rancid Pumpkin says, good evening. Jonas says, Depay has an attitude problem. Okay. <laughs> Jay October says, Jesse, good. I'm great. Have nothing to complain about today. AK Gunner says, good evening. <laughs> good evening to you as well. So yeah, seems like you guys are doing well. So let's go ahead and get started. So let's see, what do we want to do first? So on to Camavinga. So let's just talk about kind of where this whole thing came from. Yesterday, we had kind of spoken about it already. But just to reiterate, we reported that Alexis Bernard from Latin Sport believed we could be working behind the scenes for the last two, much, two months to sign Camavinga. PSG are also interested, but they may not have the funds. And he's ready to leave. And he doesn't want to renew his deal with one year left. So Ren has lost a lot of their negotiating power. You know, once you let the, the player get into the last year of their contract, you're really, you know, cutting it close. And they will most likely have to sell for less than what they really want to, unless there's some sort of bidding war. So if somebody else felt like they could, you know, bring something to the table more than Arsenal could, then that would drive the price up. But in terms of just being able to ask for whatever they want due to the contract that he's on at the moment, they wouldn't be able to ask for as much, you know, as they probably would like to. And before we get started, it's always important for me to reiterate that this, this show is not really the, is he going to come to Arsenal? You know, Arsenal so crap at transfers. Why would he come to Arsenal show? It's definitely not that. We just do a more in-depth analysis on the player. And of course, we're going to compare him to Basuma, who is somebody who we are linked with as well, that a lot of you guys like. So we'll talk about the differences between the two. But, you know, just to touch on would he come to Arsenal, you know, with bigger clubs unable to pay and his desire to move on, I do think that he would come with assurances on playing time. He said in the past that his priority is his development and he wants to play. So I'm not sure if at a Real Madrid or a PSG, he would get that from them, but he would start right away at Arsenal. He walks straight into the first team. He would start, you know, in our midfield. So if he's looking for the step before the main step, or the bigger step, this would be a good opportunity for him and us because, you know, we kind of talked about this yesterday, but yes, it is a risk, you know, to bring in somebody who's, you know, 18 years old, relatively, you know, he's proven in, in league on, but, you know, not proven in the Premier League. But if you could get him for, you know, if there's no COVID market, he's going for a hundred million. If you could get him for 50, if he has a good couple of seasons at Arsenal, when the, you know, the market, becomes a little bit healthier, we could sell him for double, you know, so it's a good opportunity for him. And it seems like it would be a good opportunity for us if we were able to make sure that we have the right environment in place for him to, to be successful. So I think the club, if they're working behind the scenes, we must feel like we have some, a chance, especially if we're willing to put somebody like Basuma on the back burner to explore this option. So I just want to go ahead and put that out there, you know, before we get into, you know, the profile part of everything. Let's see. Um, Mohammed says, sorry if you've already addressed this, but Thoughts on us selling some of our current center backs this summer. We can do that towards the end. So make sure you just um, when I when we do the Q&A at the end of the show, just make sure you you pop that back in there. Let's see. 
Papa says, but but I came for the Adu Hate Fest. None, we're not doing that um, here, unfortunately. Um, Dublin Gunner says that would have been a terrible title for the show. Yo-Yo says, I don't see how he would help party unless he would start in lieu of him. Olivier says he does fit well with Arsenal. He just needs to hit the gym before the Premier League. Um, yeah, so there's, you know, differences of opinions. And Haji, basically what they said is PSG, not in terms of they don't have money at all, but they have other priorities. They're in a huge rebuild. And I'm sure bringing in an 18-year-old that, you know, an 18-year-old at this point for PSG might not be the best step because they need to rebuild like significantly. So I can understand why they'd be saying that if they're already looking to bring in Rafael Varane, that's 50 million right there. They're looking to bring in Hakimi, that's 60 million right there. They're looking into potentially bringing in Podba, that's a lot. You know, so if they're looking to rebuild that squad, bringing in an 18-year-old is not really on their list of priorities. So I think what they're saying is they don't have funds to bring in him as well, not they're broke, you know? So yeah, let's go ahead and get to the actual profile. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen now. Okay. Make sure you guys can see that. Oh, where's my little, where's my little decorations? Hold on, you guys. Looking jank. Here we go. Much better. <laughs> it's not really that much better, but hey. So let's talk a little bit about Camavinga just in general. So 18 years old, citizenship, he's from France or he's, his citizenship is France. So he has made a, a appearances for the, you know, the full national team. But right now his current international level is the under 21s. Um, and he's listed as a central midfielder. At, in League One, you know, he started, he was in there starting 11 for, for Stade Ren, for, for Ren. Um, 74% of the time, you know, so that's a lot of minutes for a very young player had one goal and two assists, but we know that, you know, he's more of a central midfielder slash DM. So, you know, goals and assists aren't really his, his bag, but you know, if you care about those things, you know, that's, um, that's where he kind of lands in, in that respect. So as you guys have already said in the chat box, he is left footed. So um, that's something to take into consideration. Again, we had already kind of spoke about his contract, which expires next summer on June 30th. So that is where the problem, you know, is for Ren at the moment. Current market value is 60 million. Again, if there's no bidding war and he's forcing a way out, they may have to accept less than that. And he's pretty much been at Ren for forever, you know, I wouldn't say forever, but, you know, this would be his first, you know, big contract, his first first big move, you know, he was in Ren's, you know, academy, you know, in 2018. So he's been there for a while. So very good player, very good young player. I mean, so many people talk about this kid and I think he is good. You know, I do think he's good from what I've seen. You know, I think he, he's, he's not your average 18 year old. Let's just say that, you know, and his style of play, in my opinion, I would say that he's Conte-esque defensively with his ability to nip the ball off of players. And he also has a good sense of danger. So he knows where to be in order to, you know, just kind of nip the ball away from players that, you know, maybe going towards the, the central defenders and all that kind of stuff. So that's really good. You know, we need players that can take the ball off of other players. And he loves to play long balls, but his main 
I would say his main zone of genius is his dribbling ability. He's a high level dribbler and very press resistant. His progressive carry stats are very good, which again, you know, when we talk about consistencies between players we've been linked with, Basuma, Kamavinga, um, James Madison, Ben, Ben White, they're all very good progressive dribblers. And so that's something to take note of. So, and like I said, he's, pretty press resistant, which is, you know, what we need in our midfield. We need players that cannot be harassed off the ball. And if for some reason the packing la- passing lanes are blocked, we need to have players that can dribble through pressure and move defenders around and low blocks around. So he would be good, you know, in that respect. So now let's move into here. Okay. Some more stats. Stats at stats. We love stats around here. So let me make sure I'm looking at the right screen. So this is this is kind of where I want to focus, you know, my time with when talking with his statistics. So the the goals and assists, that's not really his game. Again, we're looking at somebody who is seen as a central midfielder slash defensive center midfielder. So we're not really looking at you know, his assists and all that kind of stuff. But where it starts to get really interesting is, you know, his pass completion is is quite high, which is good. We don't want somebody who's just kicking the ball around, you know. Progressive carries in the 87th percentile. He, you know, his progressive carries are about 6.43 per 90. That's really good. Dribbles completed 94% in the 94th percentile. 1.9 dribbles completed per game. So that's almost two dribbles completed each game. Touches in the attacking penalty box are not that much. I mean, we're comparing this to other midfielders, so you don't really expect your midfielders to be in the penalty box unless you're like a Ramsey or a Willick. But even in that, they're not really in the penalty box. But in the 64th percentile with 1.35 touches in the attacking penalty box, Now, where we get to progressive passes received. So these are passes that are not in the defensive part of the pitch. So we're not talking about in Ren's half. We're talking about in their opposition half. So he receives about 3.3 passes in the attacking, you know, the, the opposition's half per game in the 81st percentile. So what we're kind of seeing is a trend towards a player that doesn't really play in the defensive half he's more progressive in where he is around the pitch and when I show you guys his heat map it will make a little bit more sense now this is where it gets even more interesting pressures he has about 22.55 pressures per 90 pressures are the number of times applying pressure to the opposing player who is receiving carrying or releasing the ball 22 per 90 in the 88th percentile Tackles, 3.89, about four tackles per game in the 97th percentile. So we're talking about a player that you can immediately see in a high-pressing system. Somebody who, I mean, that's very, very good in terms of pressing. And just to give you some perspective on how that shapes up against Yves Basuma, his pressures are about 16 per game and in the 28th percentile and he mostly sits at the base of the defense you know so 
what we can kind of see from, from Camavinga is he likes to get up the pitch and press the opposition. And that's something that as an Arsenal fan, I think we can kind of say that maybe we're lacking. And even Basuma, his, you know, progressive passes received is very low. So we're looking at two different players. We're looking at somebody who's maybe more of a free eight versus a six in Basuma. If we're going into, you know, thinking about how, how they compare against each other. So let's see what you guys are saying so far. Ivy says, I like Kamavinga, but I don't think Arsenal will get him. George said he's a box-to-box midfielder. Exactly. George's opinion, I'm excited about the Aaron Sanchez kid. We need to keep tapping into the South American market. Sean says his physicality and mobility is his greatest assets. Everything else will develop in time. Um, Rancid says, I prefer Basuma. We need a Premier League proven player. Get him for depth, but not as a starter. You can't get Camavinga as depth. You will get Camavinga as a starter. There's no reason for him to come to Arsenal if he's not going to be guaranteed playing time. So this is somebody that I think starts straight, comes straight into Arsenal's, you know, starting lineup. I would, I would be very shocked if we brought him in to play as an understudy to anybody, especially when we, we brought in Lakanga. And for me, Lakanga is Thomas Party's, you know, understudy per se. This is a starter in our midfield, to be honest. You know, so those are the, the statistics. And of course, we'll do um, comparison like side by side with Basuma. But I want to show you guys his kind of like his heat map. So let's go here. No. Here. I know it looks weird real quick, you guys. Just give me one second. Okay, so this is his heat map. So what you can see is he's literally everywhere. And I think something that we need to take into consideration, you know, when we're looking for players now for Arsenal, I'm hoping that this is what they're looking for is players that are not limited by the side and like they don't have to play on a certain side of the pitch. They can move around. And when you have players that are not stuck in a certain position and they can move to the left and to the right, regardless of what foot they use, left, right, you know, he's pretty much box to box. So you can see his heat maps are absolutely everywhere. And that's something that we don't really have in our players. Like, you know, Granite Xhaka was really just on this left-hand side here. Danny Ceballos was pretty one-sided, you know, but Camavinga seems like the type of player that, can play pretty much anywhere and makes you a completely different question, you know, to answer for the opposition. What I saw from, you know, his, from, from the games that I've seen him play and his compilations, a lot of what he's really good at is pressing high and nipping the ball from players in these areas here. So us being able to move up towards the halfway line and to have a player, players like Thomas Party and Camavinga nipping the ball off of the opposition players. We're talking about another way of creating chances. You know, we can have a creative midfielder in there kind of stroking the ball around and dictating play. But when you're also able to press the opposition into making mistakes and the next step is being inside of their box, which his passes into the opposition box is also very good that's very significant for a team that tends not to press because we don't have mobile players. And if they get beat and they get ran past, we're usually under a lot of pressure. So having another player that can move about the pitch and can, you know, press the opposition like Thomas as well. I think that's, that bodes really well. And, you know, Basuma is also good 
at pressing, but his pressing numbers tend to be in more Brighton's half than the opposition half, which is the exact opposite of Camavinga. He tends to be in the opposition's half pressing, and that makes it him completely different to Basuma in every single way. So let's also talk about where in, in terms of formation. So I know this is kind of small, but I'll just kind of talk about it. So I was able to pull a couple of different formations that he's played in for Ren in the last couple of years. And so he's played in a 4-4-2. Camavinga's right here. So he's actually on the left-hand side of a pivot with Nzanzi. Then you see here in a 4-3-3, he's on the right-hand side. So he'd be an inverted, you know, right-sided midfielder in a three right here, which is interesting. And then he also played in a 4-4-2 on the other side. You know, so, and then he he was, yeah, no, and then in a 4-1-4-1 where he was on the left-hand side of this three in midfield. So, I mean, he's pretty flexible. He's malleable. He can play in different, you know, formations, which is really important because I don't think Arteta is going to settle on a system, if I'm honest. And I think if you have a player like this, you don't have to settle on a system. When you have a player like Camavinga, or not Camavinga, like Basuma, you have to settle more on a system because right now, the way that he plays, even though I think he can do more, if we're just going by what he does at Brighton, he's really a traditional kind of six. So we're looking at a double pivot, which isn't like a double pivot with Granite Xhaka, where you have one player that really needs handholding. But still, if we wanted to move to a midfield three, I think I'd be able to, to move to a midfield three rather seamlessly and, and still be able to use a pivot, but have some flexibility in what we want to do. I think he's the perfect player to do that or a player similar to him. I think Lukanga kind of has that about him as well, that ability to, to do more than one thing. You know, we need players that can, are not going to pigeonhole us or limit our ceiling, you know? So let me see what you guys are saying before we do a full comparison. Yo-Yo says he's versatile, getting excited now, you know, Ifi says, to be honest, Camavinga gives us a better option than Basuma does. Make sure you guys are liking the video. There's about 60 of you guys watching right now. So make sure you guys like the video and subscribe to the channel. Olivier said in Ren, he played with Nzanzi behind him. GK says, of course, you can't press with a midfielder like Jaka. Let's see. Yo-Yo says, his signing would suggest Arteta wants to play a midfield three, not a pivot. I agree. Um... Lone Star Londoner says EPL is very different than the French league. So yeah, we can talk about those things as well. Like, you know, the differences and will he, will he um, struggle in the Premier League? You know, adaptation is a, is a big deal, you know, but um, he does give you a lot of flexibility. And if you also have Lakanga, then you have some, some really good midfield options, you know, in there. So now let's move to, the full just comparison of the two. Um, I know there's like a lot of numbers here and stuff, but you know, just bear with me for a second. So this is kind of where, I, like what I kind of wanted to talk about mostly here is Camavinga's defensive, like touches in the defensive penalty area are significantly less than Basuma. So, you know, Basuma is the type of player that's going to get the ball off of the defenders or off of the goalkeeper and build up Camavinga is not that person. So that leads me to believe that that would continue to be Thomas, you know, so keep that in mind. 
And then as we move forward here, you can see that it becomes a little bit more equal in the defensive third, mid third, attacking third. But when we get into the attacking penalty box, you can see that Kamavinga tends to be there a little bit more than Basuma, which would suggest, you know, kind of be in alignment with his his box to box nature. And then the carries are pretty much the same. They both have very good dribbling numbers. I just think in the the areas of the pitch in which they operate are completely different. Basuma's more, you know, back by the defenders. Kamavinga's more box to box, as I've kind of already said. Defensive actions, the pressures, this also, you know, tells a story too. Most of Basuma's defensive pressures are are press, pre, pressures are in the defensive third. Whereas Kamavinga's you know, pressures are more in the attacking third. You would see that his attacking third pressures are 120 where Basuma's are 55. So again, you're getting a, a pressing more up the pitch. So I, I kind of really like that, to be honest, you guys. I think we need to be a little bit more aggressive in pressing in our attack. And so he would really help us with that, even though I do, you guys know I love Basuma. I think he adds something special too. You know, so they're pretty comparable when we talk about passing numbers. I mean, pass completion is pretty much spot on, you know, at Kamavinga, 89.3%, Basuma, 87.2%. So there's not a lot between them in terms of their press resistance, their passing stats, their ability to keep the ball, but they're just in different parts of the pitch, you know, so that's the key, you know, with that. So yeah, basically, you know, with Basuma, you're getting more of a six. With Kamavinga, you're getting more of a free eight with elite defensive capabilities or potential. Very similar in possession, press resistance, passing. Basuma is press resistant, or not press resistant, I'm sorry, I keep saying that. Premier League proven, there's a lot of P's there. Possession, press resistance, passing, Premier League proven. That's a lot of P's, <laughs> but... Premier League proven with good upside. We know that even though Basuma is a little bit, well, quite quite a bit older because he's 24 years old, still, if, you know, he has a couple of good years with us, 26, 27 years old, if we wanted to sell him, we could, and we'd probably make more on him. You know, we'd have to pay 30 to 40 million, you know, but that's that's fine, you know, for a player of his, of his quality. You know, Basuma is a very quality player. Then we get into Kamavinga, more of a top talent with a lot of potential, tremendous upside. If you can get him for about 50 million, you know, something around there, you can probably double that if he does really well, because he will be very much so hyped. You know, you have to take that into consideration. And if I just had to use one word to describe both of them, I would say Basuma is a protector and Kamavinga is an instigator. Kamavinga is more malleable, you know, so take that, take that how you want to. You know, so let's see what you guys are saying now. You guys would seem like a little bit more excited after you saw the heat map and stuff like that. It didn't seem like you guys were as excited until I saw I showed you guys the heat map. George's opinion says Kamavinga as a backup at Arsenal is ridiculous. It won't happen, you guys. If he's not starting, he won't come. GK says Kamavinga and Lakanga aren't too different in quality. I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> Um, I think Kamavinga is significantly more, he's, he has a higher ceiling. Too. I think they have both have higher ceilings, but Kamavinga is better than Lakanga right now in quality. Maybe, 
in playing type, like they can do similar things, but Kamavinga is better than Lakanga right now. Um, George's opinion says Kamavinga basically does what Conte does now, box to box ball winner. I mean, if I had some like, I think the way, if you want to see how Kamavinga works, you have to look at some of his compilations because he has very uh, the, the elite ability to nip the ball off of a player's foot without fouling, you know, and that's an elite skill that only like one person has like Conte, you know, it's very hard to find players like that. So, and he's, he's very much that way. Ekrem says Lakanga better than Kamavinga. Dublin Gunnar says he would also just be simply a lot of fun to watch. Um, and Rancid says we need someone who hits the ground running and I can't see this with Kamavinga. I still prefer Basuma. So, I mean, that makes total sense too. I kind of feel like we do need somebody that's ready to go. You know, it worries me a little bit that the adaptation time may be a little bit longer than we want. But at the same time, like, I don't think the club wants to say no to the type of talent that Camavinga will be, you know? So, yeah. Olivier says, love him, but we have a choice between Basuma and Lakanga, Basuma Lakanga or Camavinga alone. No choice for us in the shape that we are. I don't think it's, I think it's Basuma or Camavinga. Lakanga is coming anyway. So, the choice is really between Basuma and Kamavinga. Now, I'm not sure that if you get Kamavinga, if something else would be, um, you know, maybe we would have limited funds for something else. But from what I've gathered, it's not Basuma and Lakanga or Kamavinga. It's Basuma or Kamavinga. Lakanga's coming no matter what. Um. Let's see. Yeah, GK, I know that he does foul. It's players that play as 6'8 that do a lot of defensive work tend to foul more than most players. And you're fouling or not, it's it's not really about is he fouling more than another player. It's his ability to take the ball off of the opposition is elite level talent. You know, so whether he fouls more than Lakanga doesn't really mean that Lakanga is a better player because he doesn't foul as much players that play in that position, no matter who you are, Thomas party, Basuma, they all foul because that position requires you to protect the back line. If you tackle more, you're going to foul more. And so I'm not really sure what your point is, to be honest, if you're trying to prove that Lakanga is better than Kamavinga, I think it's hard to prove that based on anything that we've really seen. So maybe it's just my opinion that from what I've seen, I think Kamavinga is further along in their progression. And But they're both very talented players. But until we see both of them play for Arsenal in the same environment or something like that, it's hard to really determine it. And I don't think who fouls more is a determining factor on what player is better. But if you play in the 6-8 role and your job is to protect the back line and you tackle more than everybody else, you will naturally get more fouls. That's just how it is. George's opinion says, I feel like some fans have just made their mind up on certain players and aren't willing to listen to different ideas. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. You know, it's tough. Sean says we should be happy on the age and profile of players being scouted. Find some joy. People, life is too short. You know, we, we've spoken about this on Twitter before. I just... 
you know, don't want to be miserable the entire summer transfer window. So we do these shows to educate and just to have a little bit of fun and just to have a more in-depth conversation about players. If we don't get them, it's not the end of the world. I don't, that's not how I live my life. Like, you know what I mean? Yo-Yo says Arsenal need players to help move the ball quicker from end to end. The various links suggest Arteta and Adu are on the money. Exactly. And they do that. Every single player, like you've said, Yo-Yo has has those abilities and qualities like Camavinga's press resistant can move the ball quickly has a good passing range as well can can dribble out of pressure Lakanga does that too Basuma does that as well you know so these are all really good good links in my opinion DG's football says anybody is an upgrade on Jaka Lakanga is a done deal is is to decide whether it's Basuma or Camavinga exactly um Abdallah says, Jess, would you rather not have Zakaria instead, who is much more defensively solid than Lakanga, and he has experience in the Champions League? No, because he's injury, his injuries worry me. I think he has a bummy knee. And to be quite honest, I don't really think he's as good as – I don't think every, like, central – defensive midfielders are the same you know there's a lot of people that just throw these names like okay Kessie Zakaria they're all really different and have different qualities and for me Zachariah tends to be a little bit on the slower side I don't think he's technically that great on the ball and Lakanga has really good upside whereas Zakaria I don't think he has as good of upside if we're gonna buy somebody who is a little bit older and a little bit more experienced I would say go for Basuma and instead of Zakaria, but Lakanga for me is such a good move in terms of upside and being able to bring a player in that is 15 to 20 million and, and sell them for so much more in the future, you know, so I don't really see Zakaria as a backup, which Lakanga is. I don't think he's better than Thomas. I don't think he's better than Basuma. I wouldn't want to pay 50 million or whatever nonsense that Bruce mentioned Gladback would want for him. And he has a dodgy knee. Like, I don't, I just, I don't see Zachariah as being that great. You know, he just, he's just not. Frank Kessier is a great player. We're being linked, but honestly, I feel like it's because he's in contract talks, but I do think he's a good player. Let's see. And the, the one thing I have to say about Camavinga is I think, you know, he gives us different options and he has, a different type of quality that would move us into a different type of playing style. I think, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about this in, in a, actually let's just go ahead and, and do it now because it changes everything about how we would set up. You know, I just, basically it would make Thomas into the sitter. So here, this is just makeshift. Maybe these players aren't here, but we're mostly just focusing here. Is that I don't really see them playing in a pivot here and then this person here because it just doesn't feel like that's what it is. I think it's very much so Kemavinga would be off of that right hand side, Thomas would be here, and we would have some other eight here. Maybe that eight plays a little bit more like a 10. We don't really know. But Thomas is sitting here. If Basuma is is in the team, then Thomas is the more box-to-box -box one playing the Camavinga role, and Basuma is sitting here. So if you bring in Camavinga, then Thomas is a little bit more, has to sit more in front of the, the defense, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because if you play in a midfield three, 
You tend to play more fluidly. You don't have to worry, you know, as much, but he does, he would have a little bit more defensive responsibility. And um, yeah, I mean, it depends. It also would depend on who sits here. I mean, if you have really good central defenders that can cover space, Thomas can have a little bit more freedom, but ultimately Camavinga would change how we, how the midfield would, would play because he would be more box to box. Thomas would have to, to protect. And this player would have to probably be some sort of 10, you know, another type of more offensive eight. And I think if you have a midfield like this, you would maybe want to look at somebody like a wah. A wah could play here on this left-hand side. Also, Mill Smith Rowe could play here, or Madison could play here, because um, none of them would have that much of a defensive responsibility per se. They would be in a midfield three, and they'd be pl playing more like a ten. So let's just say, for argument's sake, just to fill this out, you could you could play Smith Rowe here if you wanted to, you know, whatever, you know. So it changes everything, you know, in terms of how we play, because he's not really a pivot player, not a double pivot player type player, type player, in my opinion. I think he needs to be in a midfield three. So that would change things. But again, you know, then you have him pushing up here. You have this eight pushing up here. You have these players here. I mean, you know, and then you can have this person here. You could have this person sit in here. They become more of like the midfielder there. You know, you have more lanes of attack. You have more attacking presence. I mean, it looks good. It looks good to me, but it just depends on how you want to play football. You know, let's see. Tawanda says, rather, Neves, he's Premier League proven. Um. DG's football says, don't want Bundesliga players. Kolasinic is a perfect example of why we should stay away from, from Dennis Sicaria. Um, George's opinion says, I like Sicaria when we didn't have party. Now that we have party, we have no need for Sicaria. We need a press resistant CM, CDM to partner party. Exactly. And both Kamavinga and, and Basuma fit that. It's just depending on, you know, if you bring in Kamavinga, it will be a little bit different. Um, Devesh says Kamavinga would cost more than 50 million though. I mean, he's, he's listed as 60 million on transfer market, but what we kind of spoke about at the beginning of the show is once you let a player get into the last year of their contract, you lose a lot of your positioning in terms of what you can actually ask for, because if the player doesn't want to, your, your option is to sell for whatever the interested party wants to pay, or you let him run his deal down. And a team like Ren who's in the French league, who is suffering massively from not being, you know, the TV deal and all that kind of stuff cannot afford to let Kemavinga walk away for free. So your option really becomes pay whatever the interested parties are willing to pay. And right now we're, it looks like we're the only ones that are able to pay unless PSG was able to scrape together something or maybe Real Madrid, but you, we wouldn't have to pay more than that unless there was a bidding war. That's why it's really dangerous to allow your players to get down into the last two years of their contract because you lose so much of your power, you know, because your option becomes free or whatever somebody's willing to offer you. Let's see. Abdallah says, nah, Kessie is a baller as well, though. I take him at Chelsea. Yo-Yo says, do we know anything about his personality, temperament? Is he a Saka or Mateo? I mean, I think from 
from the limited knowledge, he has a really good mentality, you know, but I don't know much more past that. He doesn't feel like a Mateo, but then I don't know him. You know, he could get to the, the Emirates and be a total dick, you know, so who knows, to be honest. Hopefully that's Adu and Arteta's job to figure that shit out. You know what I mean? Yo-Yo says, we were led to believe that Party joined the club to have a freer role that he than he had at Atletico. Him sitting deepest in the three may start a new storyline at the club. The, the reality is, is that we haven't seen him play in a box-to-box -box role because he's been holding J Granit Xhaka's hand since he's been here. You know, when you play with somebody, which the same thing would happen if you played with Neves, is Thomas has to stand next to you. So that limits his ability to, to make things happen. You have to have a better right-sided center back, which we've spoken about, somebody who can cover ground and also a defensive center midfielder who knows what they're doing and can be alone, then Thomas can do what he needs to do. But I do agree with you that if you brought in a Camavinga type of player, then that would change Thomas's role. But we did see towards the latter end of the season that Arteta tried it a couple times, but we didn't have the right players. Like, if you have Kamavinga there instead of Odegaard, then Thomas has more coverage. So I think it didn't work because we didn't have the right players. Like against Villarreal, when Thomas was basically playing the midfield alone, that was really scary. But if you have a Kamavinga, somebody who has elite defensive qualities, you know, it's not as big of a deal. But I do agree with you, Yo-Yo, that that would change things. I really thought that we bring in a Basuma and allow Thomas to play box to box. I know people are like, well, Thomas is not a great box to box player. It's because we've never seen it, but he has capabilities of being a great box to box player, you know? So I don't know, you know, we'll see. I would take either to be honest. It's again, it's not my money, you know? So if you bring in Kamavinga, who's, I mean, we can't say he's a crap player. Like, you know what I mean? Or Basuma who we know is good then, hey, I mean, either one would be awesome, wouldn't it? Olivier says PSG would, would be a mistake for Camavinga. Why do you say that? Newman says no swearing unless it applies to Xhaka. My bad. Richard says Camavinga doesn't score enough for me. It would be a waste of 50 million. We need more goals for midfield. I tend not to agree with this because I just think that what we need to do is be able to create more chances. And if you have somebody again who presses up the pitch like a madman and could nick the ball off of the opposition's midfield slash defenders, then he's creating chances on his own. And your other four players, your, you know, your, your creative midfielder, your two wide men and your strikers should be able to handle the goals. I think there's different ways to score goals. But one of the best, like a really good way of scoring goals, like if you look at, like you look at Liverpool's midfield, that was really dominant for the last couple of years. They had three dogs in the midfield and they had two like high productive players out wide and Mane and Salah. So, and they just pressed people to death to the point where they were creating high quality chances by just nicking the ball off of the defenders and making them make mistakes. That's a good way of creating chances. So I don't necessarily feel like, two of our midfielders need to have like a high goal potential. I think the 10 slash the other eight would have to. So that's why I like somebody like Madison, who's, you know, shoots a lot and can score goals. But ultimately for me, the midfield needs to be able to take the ball off of the opposition, protect the back line and be massive Paul progressors. And that's what you would get out of, you know, having Camavinga, and Thomas or Thomas and Basuma.
but it just depends on how you see it. Like some people feel like your midfielders need to chip in with goals. Like we see Man City, their midfielders score a lot of goals, whereas Liverpool's doesn't. It's mostly just Mane and Salah. So it just depends. You could do it either way. Yo-Yo says these relationships, partnerships will have to develop quickly. Arteta will have his work cut out. Yeah, that's another thing is that bringing in a lot of players can sometimes disrupt things and the, the partnerships will not be there. But, you know, that's, again, you know, up to Arteta. So you guys go, let's go ahead and put some questions into the, into the chat box. If you guys want to, we can stay on for another 10 minutes and do some Q&A. And um, you can let me know what you guys think about Basuma slash Kamavinga. I think he's a very good player. I'm still leaning more towards Basuma because I think it's the more safe choice. But I wouldn't say no. Like You know what I mean? I wouldn't be crying at the end of the day. GK says, definitely don't rely on Kamavinga for creativity. He's a tempo controller. Yo-Yo says, yes, Liverpool are the template, not City. Dominate space, not possession, for possession's sake. I tend to agree with you. You guys know I prefer Liverpool's model versus City's model, even though I think Liverpool are going to try to dominate possession just a little bit more. I think they'll bring in some more technical players in their midfield because, again, they've had dogs in the midfield. Not like they're bad players, but I think they'll up the, the technical quality and, and get a different way of playing. But ultimately, I like the pressing style, the running style, the ability to win the midfield battle, push up high, um, create high-quality chances from pressing and nicking the ball off of the other team's players, putting them under immense pressure and um, and doing things that way. So I that's how just how I prefer things. Olivier says, too much competition today at PSG for him to flourish. We have a young, hungry team with Saka, ESR, Pepe. I see no fear in that group. Yeah, there's definitely no fear with our young players. And I think Yo-Yo had kind of mentioned this um, like yesterday is, um, you know, you could look at Saka and ESR, you know, and see a good path, you know, to, you know, a good career, you know, and, and being able to develop at a, a club like Arsenal. And then you could look at Saliba and, and Guendouzi and maybe be a little bit, you know, reluctant. So I think any, my biggest fear with, with Kamavinga is, what is Arteta's ability to create a, a good environment, a, you know, a successful environment for young pl players to thrive, you know, and to be an attractive place, you know, for young players to come. What we will talk about at 10 PM UK time with Harry and, and George is we'll talk about that two pronged approach to squad building, how we want to be able to do both to build a team for the now, but also a, a team for the future. And I think it could start with a player like Kamavinga if you get things right with him, then other young players will want to come. And I know we don't want to be a selling club, but if we're a self-sustaining club, which I think Arsenal will always be under KSE, we need to figure out a way to buy high, you know, you know, high upside or players that could be come in and then we can flip them for more. You know, I know people don't want that, but self-sustaining model, you have to be able to sell your players for good fees. It's it's necessary. Yoyo says, wouldn't Lukonga's signing put to bed the Basuma rumors? No, because we have to think about the amount of midfielders that we're losing. I think when you lose Granite, you're gonna not have Guendouzi there, Ceballos, you know, 
it's, you need to have a non, and this is not like, so nobody thinks I'm saying anything like rude or anything, but we have to have non-African midfielders to stay in our midfield when AFCON comes around. So I think from a standpoint of not having a lot of numbers in midfield, because once you lose Ceballos and, and Guendouzi and Granite Xhaka, we're talking about one starting position and two backup positions. And then El Neni for AFCON and Thomas for AFCON. So I think if you have Lacazette, Lakanga and Thomas, you know, and then you add and you have El Neni and then you add two more midfielders in there, then we're talking about enough midfielders to sustain us through, you know, that period. We need two midfielders and a creative midfielder, in my opinion. Um. Papa Boyle says Arsenal's plan should be get to get somewhere between fourth and sixth place on the table. Madison White, Basuma move Arsenal closer to that. Camavinga, I don't know. Interesting point. Abdallah says Saka and ESR are ballers. Pepe for me is very much a purple patch baller like Pulisic. Um, I think Pepe needs to improve his decision making on a consistent basis, and that will that in that way he'll properly ball out. Yeah. I think ESR and Saka are different than Pepe. Pepe definitely needs to stay consistent. I just think that if we want to get anything out of Pepe, he kind of needs to be a big part of next season. And I'm not sure that he starts over Saka in, in Arteta's mind. And because Arteta likes to play inverted, you know, wing wingers or inverted forwards, I don't think he starts on the left-hand side either. So we'll see how things kind of shake out, but I don't see Pepe moving. <laughs> uh, well, I don't see him starting. Um, let's see. Dublin Gunnar says, I don't mind being the big step before the huge step. Let's be England's Dortmund. I think there's a way to do it without getting completely sucked into that Dortmund model or the Leicester model where you're always kind of a little bit short, but we have to be smart and there's nothing wrong with it. I know we're a little bit like, oh, we don't want to be a selling club, but you can be well run and win things and be up at the top of the table and still sell some of your players. There's nothing wrong with that. Bjorn says, Kamavinga is a fantastic talent. I have paid much attention to him for two seasons now and have wanted him at, to United for 18 months. DG's football says we should get Basuma because he is not going to AFCON. So one thing that I, I had been trying to look at because people were putting in the chat box is that Basuma has not played for Mali since 2018. And they have had obviously like, you know, the African Cup of Nations like qualifiers and all that since then. So maybe he's not going to AFCON. Maybe he's not really a part of the Mali national team. If that's true, yeah, we should be signing him up. Like, yeah, for sure. Um, it doesn't feel like he's going, you know, but regardless to if it's Lakanga or Basuma for, for you know, they're neither of them are going to AFCON. We we need we need two midfielders. Like you can't lose, you know, Ceballos and Guendouzi and Jaka and only bring in one. You know what I mean? Like you still have to bring in two. Sean says, we need a midfield that can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the best. I'm happy with what I'm seeing, to be honest. We're on the same page there, Sean. Abdallah says, question, do you prefer Pires or Bergkamp? Pires, um, 
100%. He was, I mean, there's, I love Bergkamp. Don't get me wrong. I loved everybody on that freaking team. Like, you know, I love the water boy on that team, you know, on the, the invincibles, but there's something about Pires because he wasn't really athletic, but the things that he was able to accomplish, not being athletic, he was so skillful. He was always at the right place at the right time. I love that guy. I love that guy so much. I love Bergkamp as well. But if I had to say like which one or, or I, I loved Robert Pires. I thought he was so good. Bergkamp was good too, though. <laughs> um Make sure you guys hit the like button. There's like 60 of you guys watching right now, which is awesome. Make sure you like the video. And um, yeah, set your timers too to come back at 10 p.m. UK time as we'll be back talking about, about squad building and all that kind of stuff. And then the watch along for the Copa America game to, um, a little bit later as well. J October says, Basuma is the midfielder for me because he makes us better than the teams are around us now. Yeah. Do you guys, it seems like more people want Basuma, which is awesome. You know, I'm a part of Basuma Propaganda FC, you know, we love him, you know, so hey, why not? I mean, I think if you have, like, honestly, my dream midfield at the end of this window would be Basuma, Thomas, and Madison. I think that midfield makes a lot of sense. It It's an improved midfield. It can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with with anybody it's it's what I would prefer but if we got Camavinga I wouldn't cry you know but I think that's the midfield that takes you forward right away as you guys have already said no adaptation needed Premier League proven players at a good age both Madison and Basuma being at 24 years old I think Basuma sitting and Thomas Party going is the perfect balance so that's what I would like to see Dublin Gunner says either upgrades on on what we've got Yo-Yo says, Pepe showed last season that he can deliver when given the grace to play consistently, irrespective of performance. Arteta will be foolish not to trust him now. I just I just don't know if he starts. I don't know if he starts because you really see, like once everybody comes back, obviously the Euros and all that kind of stuff is, is subsided. Like, do you really see Arteta picking Pepe over Saka? I don't see it. And the person on that left-hand side is going to be somebody who's right-footed, you know? So, Hey, let's see what happens. Tawanda says the invincibles are the second double winning team. I would say the invincibles because that's the team that I saw, you know? So I would say the invincibles for me, both teams were obviously amazing AK Gunner says all reliable reports say Basuma is not the priority target, which frustrates me. It tells me that Arteta wants Jack a profile replacement. I mean, it doesn't. It tell it could potentially tell you that we're going after Camavinga. If we wanted Neves, what would stop us from going to get him now? Like, you know what I mean? I know that he's at the at the Euros, but I mean those links have been there for a long time. And actually we have to wait a little bit too, I think, because we have to see once Shaka is like gone, we'll see what happens. But I really think it has something to do with this. I think if we have a chance to get Camavinga, we'll try it. And if that doesn't happen, we'll go after Basuma. Neves just doesn't really make a lot of sense, but hey, if we wanted Neves and we were interested why haven't we put in a bid yet? You know, if, if it's either Basuma or Neves, 
what's stopping us from putting in a bid. It hasn't stopped us from trying to go after Ben White, who's also at the Euros. Both of them are sitting on the bench. They're, you know, eating pine right now. So and I'm not sure that it really tells me that he wants a Jocka replacement. It it feels like it's, you know, it might have something to do with this because this needs to be taken care of by June 28th. I think that's a, that's the day that they said if he doesn't like resign by then, then they'll start looking at offers. And it's by like June 30th, they said that he has to start, you know, he has to resign and it's June 21st. You know, so it feels like we're waiting on this. That's what it feels like. Let's see. GK says, got me thinking of Stoke. <laughs> Yo-Yo says, best non-U.S. women's side you've seen. Um, <sighs> the old Germany sides with Berger Prince and all of them was epic. The um, Brazil sides with Formiga and Kacha and Marta, obviously amazing china used to be that thing back in the day back in the like early or late 90s early 2000s um japan was really good at one point um but i would say like if we have to say like recent times france like for sure and and um spain is creeping up there as well if they could figure out a way to score goals they'd be dangerous olivia says i agree with jess i think that top four with that midfield I think so too I think we're dangerously close um Bjorn says I very much doubt that Madison will want to go to Arsenal I mean that's what rival fans say like you know because they just are like well you're eighth so why would anybody want to come to you but as we've kind of already spoke about you know if Arsenal didn't think there was a chance of getting him we wouldn't be reliably linked to him at all there's no point in even putting together packages or anything like that for a player that says they would never come to Arsenal. The reality is, is that he's not a number one choice for Brendan Rodgers this season, even though he had been injured, he wasn't injured the entire time. And even when he was not injured, he was not always in the, the starting lineup for him to get back into the English national team. He needs to be starting for his club team in the position in which he plays because it's very competitive Leicester is never going to really compete if they stick with their model. I think Arsenal is a bigger club. We can offer him better wages. And um, if we have a competitive plan of how we're going to get back into the top four, I don't see why he wouldn't want to come. So there's a lot of different reasons. You know, the fact that Leicester are going to start playing with a five through the middle or a four through the middle in a three, four, three or a three, five, two. That doesn't really leave a place for a 10. So there's a lot of different reasons that I gave you right there why Madison would probably want to come to Arsenal. And again, it's been reported that he would be open to the idea. You know, again, you don't put in bids, you don't set up packages, you don't talk to anybody unless you know that you have a chance of getting the player. But I, I understand why Rebel fans would think that because it's your eighth, you know, your eighth. <laughs> I mean, it's so much more complex than your eighth, to be honest. Yo-Yo says Arteta has to use Abba and Pepe as split forwards like Pedro, like a Pedro Villa did at Barcelona or Mane Sala at LVP. I mean, um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to go on with that. I think Abba off the left 
or you mean, are you, if you mean like playing a two striker system or something like that, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going to go on with that, to be honest. Um, I don't know where Pepe and Aubameyang fit in with all of this because I still think if we bring in a striker, like you already said, that that would push Aubameyang out of the central forward position. But him off of the left is just so not it. It's not it. You know, so we'll see. Lone Star says Arsenal is a long-term project. All we offer is silly wages. Let's see. Abdallah says a boomerang. <laughs> He's easily one of the best pure finishers in the Prem. Only Kane and Vardy are clear. Rancid asks, would you sell bombing for 40 million? Um, yes, I would. AK Gunner says, would you be happy with Van Arnhold as a left back? David Ornstein says, we are looking for a young left back pro prospect to compete with Tierney. I think this is going to be the hardest position to fill. Like, who wants to sit behind Tierney? And I know that. Hmm. I know, I know that Tierney gets injured, but the reality is, is if he doesn't, you're never going to play. Like, you know what I mean? You have no chance of playing whatsoever. So a young left back who's looking at Tierney, like, am I going to get any playing time? You look at somebody like Tisikamis who left Olympiacos to go to Liverpool, never plays because Andy Robertson played every single game last season, I think. So even if he, like, let's say that Tierney was unable to play for 10 of the games next season, you get 10 starts maybe. Is that enough for somebody who's in a good age that probably wants to play all the games? You know, so I think it's really difficult to get a young player to sign up to be a backup, even though we know Tierney is, can be injured. But um, so I think we would be looking at somebody maybe that would just be like, okay, I'm good to be a backup. Van Arnhold doesn't kill me. It's not about Van Arnhold. It's about Van Arnhold, the deal. What does the deal look like? How many years, you know, what are the wages looking like? We don't want another Cedric where we have four years stuck with him, maybe two years or something like that with him. And in the meantime, we identify somebody to bring into our Academy that when Van Arnholt leaves and Tierney's 26, 27, they'll be okay with coming in and we have more games, meaning that we're in Europe. But right now, it looks like that's what we would be doing because it's very difficult to convince somebody to sign up to be a backup that's so young that could probably go somewhere else and start. You know what I mean? Dublin Gunner said, I play backup for Tierney. I'd, I'd be beyond terrible, but I do it. I do it for free. I, I would do it for free. I would go. I would sit. I'd be fine. J October says, Pepe has to start with Saka on the wings. Saka, the creative winger, and Pepe, the goal-scoring winger. I mean, it makes sense if one of them was right-footed. I just... I think it depends on who comes in, but, you know, if, if Emil Smith-Rowe signs this new deal, you know, do you think that Arteta would sit him? I'm not sure. You know, even if we bring in a 10, like even what we did with Odegaard, for the most part, Emil Smith-Rowe played off of the left. You have Martinelli as well. And Arteta likes inverted wingers. You know, I think it makes the most sense to play, as you've said, Pepe and Saka. Like, that's what I would like to see. Pepe and Saka with probably a different striker if Aubameyang can't do it, and James Madison type player through the middle. But I just am not sure. I'm not sure what's going to happen, you guys. I really don't. But I wish Pepe was right-footed so he could, you know, because we do need more goal scorers. Yo-Yo says the new forward could, could should be used like Messi, Firmino, 
and then aforementioned systems, decoy runs to create space for the wider players to get in behind. So like a, like a false nine-ish type of player. So who is that? You know, cause we don't really have that type of player. So, you know, who, who, what player is that? You know, it's so difficult because players can play false nine, but not well, <laughs> you know, so, but that's a really good point. Can Andre Silva do that? You know, what do you think? George's opinion says, troubles me how bereft we are at left back in our academy. Lopez isn't ready. I don't think he's ready either, George. I just think that when you've ran the club so poorly for so many years, you end up having to take L's like this that you shouldn't have to because you should already have somebody coming up in that academy ready to go, but we don't. You know, so we have to take this L. I think we will bring in like a Van Arnhold. I'd prefer him over Bertrand, to be honest. But at the same time, hopefully the club would be able to recognize that there's a, a big gap there. And our backups should be players from our academy. I don't think we should be buying backups at this point. Have them come through your academy and then they serve two purposes. They can be backups and, and you know, fill gaps in the squad, but also increase their value as they play for the first team. But who am I? You know, Abdallah says, Jessica, do you think R9 was the best finisher football's ever seen? It's a really tough question. I mean, R9 is epic. R9 is inevitable. It's so difficult to say, but I think from the small sample size, you not small sample size, but he played a lot less than players that we know of now. So yeah, I, I would say that he's probably one of the best, you know, um, I need to see the numbers where the statistics, <laughs> you know, I need statistics. You know what I mean? Um, AK Gunner says, I think Pepe can explode for us next season. I do too. If he plays, <laughs> he has to play. I hope he does. You know, Abdallah says Messi the goat after Dino, um, one of the best, greatest finishers, passers, dribblers to ever play the game. Passes better than your best midfielder and better finisher than, than your striker. Messi is clear. Yeah, Messi has great passing numbers as well. He's very well-rounded for a player that, you know, um, people almost really only think about as like scoring goals. But he's really good with his, his uh, passing as well. He's always high up there for assists. You know, so Messi, great finisher. It's just so hard because, you know, Back then, stats weren't really that important, but you just kind of used your eye. I know, Abdallah, you're really big on eye tests. Now, if you were to ask me who's the best finisher right now, I'd go straight to the stats and try to figure that out. But Messi, definitely. R9 was amazing. I mean, high numbers as well. Like, even if you look at Henri, like, he, had, he got a lot of chances because we created a lot of chances, but he was also a really good finisher and did some mad things that he shouldn't have been able to do. So, I don't know. It's difficult to say, but messy. Yeah, for sure. Like he's so well-rounded and people don't really talk about it. George's opinion says totally agree. Now we are sending young players on loan. Don't know why that wasn't done before more often under Wenger. The Academy was dead. Yeah. Lewandowski messy. Yeah. Yo-Yo says before my time, but the 
Bastututa, or whoever, however you spell his name, is always talked about for his finishing. I do rate Shevchenko and Etosi. Then we start getting into, you know, more players that were great finishers. I don't know. It's, like, so hard to say the greatest ever. Like, you know what I mean? So I don't even want to get into that debate, to be honest. Yeah, I get what you're saying. It it depends on how many chances you get. And then it's like, how many chances does it take you to score a goal? I get what you're saying. You know, it's just, and do you mean like greatest finisher in terms of the type of finishes and the catalog of finishes or, you know, purely based on numbers, like how many chances did they need to score as many goals as they scored? You know, greatest finisher can mean two different things, you know, to me. You know, it could be about the types of finishes and the catalog of finishes, you know, as well. So Arsenal or Tawanda says Arsenal should follow the money ball system. We don't have Wenger or uh, Kajigal to find the best players anymore. Yeah. All right, you guys, that's going to be it for now because we'll be back a little bit later. Again, George and Harry will join me for. Oh, no. Are you guys gone? What happened? Okay. <laughs> My screen went away. But George and Harry will be here to talk about, you know, Arsenal's big spending summer. You know, we're not saying like, oh, we're going to spend all this money. But we just kind of want to talk about how Arsenal can. It looks like they're going for a two-pronged approach to address our present and our future. So we'll kind of talk about that, how the money should be spent, why Arsenal fans have such a divided opinion on how the money should be spent, why we're such accountants when it comes down to the transfer window. And um, yeah, we'll talk about all those things. And of course, you guys will be able to ask them questions. I know you guys love George. I know you guys love Harry as well. So it should be a fun show, 10 p.m. UK time. And then I'll also be doing a watch along for the Copa America games coming on later. So like the video, subscribe to the channel. Let me know in the comment section, you know, after, you know, the, the video is done, you know, what you guys think about Camavinga and all those types of things. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye guys.